Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in for this best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. I'm her producer, Paul Thoreau. Carmen is taking the week mostly off. She won't be doing the morning show this week, but uh, we'll be talking about this later in the show. We hope you join her on New Year's Eve evening, uh, starting at 7 o'clock Central for a special live stream event. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on. But again, thank you for tuning in to Faith Radio this Monday morning after Christmas. Hopefully you and your family had a safe and happy Christmas. Just to let you know, because many of you know Carmen actually works from a home studio near Nashville, Tennessee. She was not affected by what happened on Christmas morning at about 6.40 in the morning um, where there, there was that bomb that went off in downtown Nashville. Interesting story behind that. And yes, the FBI and law enforcement still trying to figure out the motive that Anthony Quinn Warner uh, had. Um, Still some sketchy details. Some people, I've heard some talk about, you know, was he afraid of 5G technology and such? And anyway, because he, the the bomb went off near, and I've been in Nashville before many times, and downtown Nashville area is beautiful. There's this what is called I, I like to call it the bat tower that's the uh, that's the AT&T building um and it it's a pretty imposing building and he had parked the explosive vehicle right next to that and uh, that caused major telecommunication outages for central tennessee and actually several states were affected by that one of the interesting stories that came out of this, uh, you heard it talked a little bit about the, the news that happened in Nashville, but this wasn't mentioned. It's kind of interesting. The story of James Wells. Now, James was one of the six cops who, as they were trying to get the place cleared out, because the, there was this warning message from the RV and uh, music playing and such. And anyway, the cops took it seriously. They were trying to get people evacuated. And while the noise was blaring and the six cops, uh, six police officers were working to evacuate area buildings, one of the officers shortly before the uh, the explosion, his name is James Wells, he talked about how he was heading directly toward the RV before he heard the voice of God telling him, hey, turn around. So he turned around walking in the direction of fellow officer Amanda Topping, who was standing alone on the street. And as he was walking away, that's when the bomb exploded, probably (laughs) saved his life in that situation. So, you know, thanking God right there for helping out all these officers as, again, apart from Warner passing away in the explosion, nobody else was killed, only uh, some minor injuries, thankfully. Well, again, mornings with Carmen. And what we're going to do over the next five days, we're going to listen to some of well, some of the best conversations we had in 2020, which was hard to narrow down because we had a lot of good conversations. Now, in today's show, we're going to hear from Albert Moeller shortly, also Leonard Sweet. We enjoyed his conversation we had with him about his Rings of Fire book. Also, um, maybe you're struggling 
with again depression or just this, this holiday season was was so different and maybe you weren't able to get with together with family and friends there's a lot of lamenting going on and we're going to be hearing a conversation we had right before Thanksgiving because we knew this was going to be one of those harder um, holiday seasons. Even though, yes, Christmas has passed, we're still in that holiday week. And we're going to we're going to listen again to his conversation about the holidays and lament and finding hope. Plus, uh, 2020 has been one of those years where the issue of racial harmony or lack thereof has been an issue. And we're going to hear again a conversation with D.A. Horton. He put out a book out earlier this year called Intentional. It's interesting because the, if you look at the cover of the book, the uh, the way it's laid out, the tension is capitalized with, you know, tension with the S and not the T, but intentional. Um, because we need to get into the tension of what's going on and actually get used to the fact we need to be there as believers. So those are just some of the things you're going to hear today as we enjoy this Mornings with Carmen, Best of Mornings with Carmen here on listener-supported Faith Radio. So I hope you stay with us for the next couple of hours as, uh, again, we enjoy great conversations that Carmen had in 2020. It's a Best of Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Now, Dr. Albert Moeller, Jr., he's the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Time Magazine called him the reigning intellectual of the evangelical movement in the United States. Dr. Moeller hosts two programs, one that I listen to every single day called The Briefing. It's a daily analysis of news and events from a Christian worldview. He also hosts Thinking in Public, which is a series of conversations with the day's leading thinkers. For more information, you can visit him online, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at his website. The book we're discussing today, The Gathering Storm. Dr. Moeller, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's great to be with you. Thank you. So, uh, of course, I'd like to have a conversation today about the content of today's briefing, but you and I um, will set Black Lives Matter aside for just a moment to talk about um, the gathering storm, secularism, culture, and the church. Um, This is not new subject matter for you, nor for those who have been paying attention uh, to what you have bringing been bringing to the forefront of our conversations for a long time. Talk with us about the gathering storm that you see and to which you are seeking to raise our awareness. Yeah, Carmen, you think uh, Christians might understand it better this week, uh, maybe with the Supreme Court decision that was handed down on Monday. Uh, A lot of folks surprised by that decision, Uh, obviously tremendous disappointment. Um, What I tried to do is in the book, uh, of course, uh, long before that decision came out, was to say to Christians, look, the entire landscape is being transformed before our eyes. Uh, I used the metaphor that Winston Churchill used about the 1930s, the gathering storm. We we can see the storm clouds gathering. There's something big happening. And that something big can be summarized with the word uh, uh, secular, secularization, secularism. Um, It is the transformation of our society increasingly into a a society that's that's not just distant from belief in God, but increasingly antagonistic 
to belief in God. So I'm hoping to help Christians connect the dots. I love that language. Um, you talk about the secular age in, in the book, and you help us understand what that looks like and how it works itself out. Um, you don't just borrow uh, the, the title from Churchill. You also talk about the first task in faithfulness um, being similar to that which he described, which lies in our understanding reality. Talk about the That's difference right. between maybe what I see and what I feel and what I imagine versus reality. No, that's a tremendous point, Carmen. You know, during the 1930s, Hitler was marching and, and, and building his army. And not only that, he was talking, you know, and, and writing in Mein Kampf. And uh, Winston Churchill kept crying out, you know, look at what's happening. Look at this threat that's arising. We had a, a world war. We're, we're headed to another one. But most of the people, even the most educated, sophisticated people, were living in denial. that uh, they, they didn't want to admit that something so awful could be happening. And so they rationalized it. And of course, that didn't work. And that's why Churchill's remembered as the great savior of Britain and the West, uh, because he saw what the others would not see. I I think that's the way a lot of Americans are right now. They don't want to, uh, they don't want to admit, they don't want to come to terms with the fact that we're talking about a total transformation of our society. And, uh, so it, it's not just one battle here or there. It's going to be an entire front. Dr. Mueller, how do you respond um, to those who would say to all of this, to you and I on a daily basis, and to the content of this book, you guys are like chicken little? Well, I would respond with Churchill's words, facts are better than dreams. Uh, you know, the, we're, we're, we're not chicken little when you listen to the Supreme Court on Monday. We're not chicken little when you look at the discussions going on in the 2020 presidential campaign. The very things that we said were coming are here. And uh, so it's really denial to, uh, to, to try to, uh, to, to ignore the obvious. And uh, we're up against a comprehensive challenge. I just want Christians to understand that. That doesn't mean we panic. As a matter of fact, Christians shouldn't panic. But it does mean that we better have our eyes open to what's going on. And, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm just very concerned about how Christians are going to raise our children and uh, not to mention our grandchildren and uh, how churches are going to operate, how Christian schools are going to be faithful in, in the midst of what's going to be a very different landscape. So the word comprehensive there, I think, is important. When we come back from a very brief break, uh, Dr. Albert Moeller and I are going to talk about the comprehensive challenge that we face. We're also going to acknowledge that although the landscape before us is definitely being transformed right in front of our eyes, the rock that is under our feet, he is not moved. So we're going to talk about the security of the church in the midst of all of this. I'm going to continue my conversation in just a moment with Dr. Albert Moeller. The book is The Gathering Storm. We'll be right back. have one listener who has just uh, texted me. I'm listening. Um, Dr. Moeller, let's talk about the comprehensive nature um, of what we're facing in the gathering storm. You you move through you know, a variety of um, sectors and segments of cultural conversation in the book. Um, why don't you just take people on a quick survey of those? Well, you know, we're talking about everything from politics and sexuality to uh, the family and the church and education. Uh, all of these sectors are absolutely being uh, reordered be- before our eyes. And again, 
just think about the Supreme Court decision on Monday that is the most sweeping decision in the history of the court on uh, on, on issues related to LGBT uh, uh, persons and, uh, and, and institutions and society. Uh, it, it, nothing is going to be untouched by this because the, the revolution that's going on is at the deepest levels of our society. And, and by the way, we're also witnessing with what's going on in the United States the fact that you've got an older liberal class being replaced by a younger, far more radical class. And uh, so if anything, what we're talking about in The Gathering Storm is being accelerated right now. So we might hear someone say um, into our conversation today, Dr. Moeller, well, that's okay, because we, you know, ultimately we're a Christian country. Ultimately, you know, there's a lot of Christians here. Talk with us about the reality um, uh, that Christian truth claims. Here's a here's a quote from the book. Christian truth claims have lost all binding authority in the culture. Talk about that. Yeah, that's what secularism is or secularization. It's, it's not just that. Uh, people don't think as well of Christianity is that the binding authority of belief in God has receded. So, you know, for instance, if if you take something like uh, sexual ethics in the United States, uh, for a long time, long beyond when most people were, you know, believing Christians, there was still a binding conscience in the United States concerning matters of sex and sexuality. Well, to state the obvious, that's just gone. And it's not just gone on this issue. Uh, it, it's gone across the board, and um, and I, I think most Christians, and, and you can live in different places. On the briefing, I talk about the geographical differences. It might not look so radical from a small town in Iowa here, but it looks incredibly radical if you're in Seattle with its new autonomous zone, or if you're in Manhattan, or if you're on a college campus. But the fact is, that little town in Iowa is not going to be untouched because all of the engines of cultural production are in the hands of those who are trying to secularize the nation. All right, and I want to give you the opportunity to also, uh, you know, as as we have these constant changes and this continuing change in the culture, I want you to talk about riding the storm out on the rock, that you and I are standing on a firm foundation. Talk about the church. You know, the church was born into a world in which it was a cognitive minority and uh, in the midst of the Roman Empire had to learn how to be faithful and, and how to turn that faithfulness into witness. And that's where we are. Uh, you know, we're going to be in a position for the rest of our lives that we're going to have to explain to people why we live as we do, why we believe as we do. And, of course, everything comes back to our allegiance to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lordship of Christ in our lives. And, and, and it's going to be an operational issue. You know, how, why do you believe that to be true? Because God has said it. It's in God's Word. Uh, I'm bound by it. Uh, the, the idea that we are, as, as Martin Luther, the great reformer, said, bound in our conscience by the Word of God, that's so unusual to our neighbors. They're going to think we're absolutely bizarre. But that's what, it, that's what faithfulness is going to require of us. But it will also provide incredible opportunities for witness and testimony. There's no question that continuing to stand in one place as the culture, you know, moves about and continues to fancy itself with lots of uh, divergent ideas, to continue to stand in one place is in and of itself a witness. It can be an uncomfortable reality. um, But you know, being with Christ, we're just never promised that it's just going to be, that it's going to be comfortable. I think the 
comfortable nature of Christianity um, in which many people lived for generations here in the United States, you know, part of what's being disrupted um, is that sense of comfort that I could just, you know, I can just go along to get along. To go along now is not an okay way to go. Right. You know, we've lived in, in a situation where for generations, Americans have nodded when we talked and we nodded when they talked. And now we're in the awkward situation where it doesn't work that way anymore. And uh, people are actually going to be angry at us. Uh, you know, if, 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 if we can't go along and we can't with the, say, LGBTQ revolution, then we're going to be considered the enemies of a, a good and civil society. Um, we've got to be ready for that. It's going to take enormous resources to raise our children, to educate young people uh, in the Christian faith in this context. The stakes are going to be high. But again, this is where the Christian church began uh, in the context of the Roman Empire. Uh, and uh, look, Christians ended up having massive, massive influence in the Roman Empire. That's what we've got to hope and pray for. And, and they had to, to concentrate on raising their own children and in uh, and, and, and holding to the faith in their own churches. So the, the same plans got to work for us. We've got to uh, invest massive energy and faithfulness in raising our children and in being faithful in our churches, and uh, then we hope for opportunity to have influence for Christ. Okay, so I want to pivot there, because that gives me an opportunity to invite you to talk about um, the gap year program at Boyce College. Um, I I am aware of it, because I have a rising senior, and her interests, yeah. you know, she's probably not going to end up at Boyce in terms of her actual academic program, because she's a really math and science-oriented kid. But a gap year sure. program at Boyce where she could do a worldview intensive year, that's of interest. So talk about this really unique program you guys are offering as a gap year. No, I appreciate that, Carmen. I'm excited about it. If I were a young person, I'd do it. It's a one-year worldview intensive program to prepare a young person for whatever the Lord may have for them in the future, whatever they may major in. Uh, whatever they may uh, do as, as God calls them to work in the world and in the church. But, uh, you know, it, it, we're, we're going to have a blast with these young people saying, look, in this one year, 32 hours of academic credit, you're going to look at all the disciplines, but through the lens of a Christian worldview. How do Christians think about philosophy, about literature, about, uh, you know, history? How do, how, do, how do we think through these issues uh, to get them ready to be uh, – uh, faithful in whatever the Lord may call them to do. And it's called the Worldview Intensive. There have been programs like this in Europe for years, and uh, I think it's a really good stewardship for a year because they don't lose anything. I, I call it a gap year without a gap. They get 32 hours of college credit, and uh, that can transfer wherever they go. But I, I hope it's going to give them a foundation that will be invaluable to them. And uh, for more information, it's just Boyce College, B-O-Y-C-E, uh, college.com and then slash worldview and the whole program's right there or if you go and you listen to today's briefing uh you can just click the link at the very bottom where the gap year uh, for, for boys college uh is linked there as well i i do want people to tune in to the briefing i i rely on it i love it um you are a voice rattling around all the time in my head and i really appreciate it that's dr albert moeller you can find him all over social media. You can also find him at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and Boyce College, where he serves as the president. Dr. Moeller, thank you so much. Carmen, so thankful for you. Great to be with you this morning. Always a joy. We'll be right back.
Well, again, thank you for tuning in for this special best of edition of Mornings with Carmen on listener-supported Faith Radio. That's actually something we're going to be doing all week long as Carmen is, for the most part, taking some time off. I'm her producer, Paul Perot, and coming up next here on Faith Radio, a conversation Carmen had with Christian... Uh, how do you describe Leonard Sweet? He's a theologian, yes. He's a bit of a futurist as well. And about a year ago, he released a book called Rings of Fire, Walking in Faith Through the Vol- uh, through a Volcanic Future. There's so many eruptions, as he kind of talked about, volcanic eruptions in our culture right now, economically, bioethics, communications, uh, cultural changes and such. Now, as I mentioned, the book was released last year, November 19th of 2019. And during this past year of 2020, between the pandemic and so many other things, a lot of those eruptions really came to be. Now, we didn't have a chance to talk to him until August, but what a conversation we had with Leonard Sweet about Rings of Fire. And I hope you stay with us because you're going to enjoy it. If you didn't hear it back then, you'll want to hear it now. Remember, Carmen will, even though she's off this week on on, uh, let's see, this coming Thursday night, New Year's Eve night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern. She's going to be hosting a special live stream event on our Faith Radio Facebook as well as YouTube channels. We encourage you to be part of it. Information about it is on our website at life979.com. Uh, pardon me, on myfaithradio.com. Again, as we are winding down 2020, praying out the old year, praying in the new. And we hope you join Carmen for that. Again, all the information at myfaithradio.com. Stay with us for Carmen's conversation with Leonard Sweet coming up in about five minutes here on Faith Radio. Rebecca grew up in a Christian home and trusted Jesus at a very young age. But the teenage years brought doubt and turmoil to that budding faith. Maybe Rebecca's story sounds familiar to you. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. As Rebecca got older, doubt started nagging at the back of her mind. Those questions, along with an attitude from her parents that she described as judgmental, led her to conclude that this whole faith thing was actually bogus. That's a conclusion no parent ever wants to hear from their child. But Rebecca's story is all too common among teens today. Ultimately, God is the one who will plant the seeds of lasting faith in our children's lives. As their parents, we can still do our best to prepare the soil by being constant sources of love and support, not judgment. Sign up for Mark Gregston's weekly newsletter article or other free resources at parentingtodaysteens.org. I fell into a burning ring of fire. I went down, down, down. And the flames went higher, and it burns, burns, burns. Dr. Lynn, Leonard Sweet joins me now. Um, hopefully, Lynn, that is on the soundtrack for the book Rings of Fire. Hey, it sure is. Good morning, Carmen. How are you? Uh, good morning. I'm well. I'm well. Um, so I could start this conversation by um, by asking you where the global pandemic falls in uh, the wild cards, black swans, and game-changing super volcanoes uh, <laughs> a portion of this conversation. But let's but let's set the conversation up for people. When you talk about there being rings of fire, and now really one global ring of fire, to what are you referring? Uh, that we're living in a culture where volcanoes will be erupting all the time, and we it's. We've moved from a, a fixed world in my lifetime to a 
flexible world to a fluid world, and now that fluid uh, is, uh, is, is magma. It's lava. It's a hot, fluid world where anything can happen at any moment. In fact, in the book, I actually said that there will come a time, this book came out in, what, November of last year, that um, there would come a time when when China would catch a, a virus and it would sneeze and would infect the whole world. And I had no idea how uh, <laughs> how soon that would come. But um, but that's the kind of world we're living in. And uh, now the good news is that uh, volcanic soil, which what the volcano leaves behind, is some of the most productive soil. And you get the best coffee from it. You get you get the best vegetables from it. It's it's rich soil for growing things. But but you've got to deal with the volcano first. So, um, yeah, and it burns stuff up, right? I mean, yep. it's and it's and it creates a noxious gas, and there are byproducts of it that you have to live with in the aftermath. And all of those things are um, you deal with in this book. And what you're trying to do is get the church to not just wake up to the reality in which we now live, but prepare the next they generation don't. to lead the future church. Exactly. And this prepared this. You can't plan for this world anymore. The whole planning model, nobody planned or had any strategic plan. There was, okay, deal with COVID-19. It's a world where you've got to be in a state of preparedness. Planning models don't work. It's the prepare. You remember the 10 bridesmaids? 10 were strategic planners. They said, we're going to trim our wicks because we're going to stick to the plan because we know when the bridegroom is going to come. And five of them said, they were the preparers. They said, we have no idea when the bride was coming. You just got to be prepared at every moment for his arrival. And so it's a world now of preparedness, not planning. And that's part of the challenge of this book. Well, and that's part of the challenge for the way that we've maybe all been taught to think. Those of us that went to business school and those of us who, you know, you're going to put a ministry plan together. It's going to be a five-year plan. It's going to be a 10-year plan. You know, now we're talking about, you know, a five-day plan or maybe yep. a five-month plan. But and nothing like a... that. What brought you here to this place is not what go- is not what's going to bring you to the future. That's the big thing, and that that's why, you know, I, I'm all about. I, I want to know what the best practices are, but you don't adopt those because the world's different. The world's changing this quickly, and so you want to know what is the best practices, ha- what they've been in the past, but the fu- well, they're not going to work in the future. So you partly need to know best practices by. So you know what is not going to work in this future, which is coming at us so fast. So I've been um, reading and listening to you for a long time. Um, uh, Soul Tsunami was my introduction uh, to uh, to Lynn Sweet. And then you spoke at an event that I uh, attended at uh, First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. It's a long time ago now, but I remember it. Um, and, and talking about uh, church leadership that is not just future focused but actually walks the walks the church into the future um is very very different in a Lynn Sweet world than in what most seminaries um have taught over the last generation yeah and it's partly just what what you just mentioned Carmen is that it's a partly just a simple recognition that where do you find Jesus? And if you read the Gospels carefully, and the whole story of Jesus is that, yes, he pushes us from behind, but where you most find Jesus is he pulls us from the future. He's already in this future, calling us to join him. So we don't take Jesus anywhere. Basically, we join him in what he's already doing and up to. So he's a God of 
the future and pulling us towards him. He, he was always going ahead of his disciples, and he went ahead of them. And he's always ahead of us, and he's always calling us to join him in this future. So partly it's just a, how do I see Jesus in this future and join him in what he's already doing? All right, I have a listener um, who is uh, Reverend Dr. Castro, who tweets as uh, Lava, but spelled L-A-U-V-A, 1956, who was introduced to you. Uh, You're giggling, so I'm wondering if maybe this is a person uh, with whom you have some history. Aqua Church uh, is what uh, Reverend Castro says was his introduction to you. Um, I've already confessed to, um, to him that mine was Soul Tsunami. Um, apparently, uh, Dr. Castro's dissertation is based on um, some of your some of your work. So there you go, a little shout out from a listener. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Well, yeah, that's when that was my move from from the tsunami to help people understand that it's a partly what what a tsunami brings is this is a new water world. It's a new aqua world, and so we got to do liquid church. We got to do fluid church. Um, we can't do fixed church anymore. I'm talking with Dr. Leonard Sweet. You can uh, you can find him online. He's not hard to find. LeonardSweet.com. Um, Rings of Fire is the you know one of his fifty some books. We're talking about it today. Just came out in November of of last year, um, and it's prescient. But so is most of uh, Lynn's work. And so if you want a book that's going to help you understand the context that we live in today as Christians, but also um, see in advance the future into which we are going to need to be able to walk by faith as Christians um, and lead others. This is a great book um, for you to not only become educated, but inspired and equipped. Rings of Fire, Walking in Faith Through a Volcanic Future. When we come back, Lynn, one of the things that I want to talk about is chapter 22, which is political religion. Um, And then uh, I'd love to just talk about how it is that you are able to set mental hooks for us upon which we can then hang things as they happen, which helps us anticipate and prepare to act in the future, because that's what I feel like your particular gift to the church is. So that conversation up next with Lynn Sweet. Continue my conversation with Dr. Leonard Sweet. Uh, Let me read um, a couple of sentences here from the opening chapter of Rings of Fire, Walking in Faith Through a Volcanic Future. Uh, We take a fresh look in this book at the global global megatrends affecting the church of the 21st and 22nd centuries, the hot zones worth keeping a watchful eye on, the hot topics that we can't avoid discussing, and the front burner issues making for a hot church along with some hot takes uh, to stimulate further consideration down the road. We approach these megatrends from a faith-based rather than a fear-based posture, and we have no interest in keeping up with the times, but rather in keeping up with Jesus and opening up to God's presence in the times we are in. Uh, Lynn Sweet, talk with us about um, faithfulness in the day in which we live. Well, it means, yeah, you don't get to choose your moment. I mean, we're all here from a, I say it's a divine uh, appointment or um, an arranged marriage. I mean, in the, the sovereignty of God, God arranged the marriage for us with this moment of time. And I, I'm not prepared for it. And I, I'm, I'm totally uh, not educated for it. But in the sovereignty and mystery and providence of God, God arranged this marriage of Lensweet to this 21st century COVID-19 moment. And so God must think that I have something to to do f- and to give and to bless this moment with. And so I'm here 
trusting God. And partly it's just that that understanding that you don't get to choose your moment, that this is the moment that God has given us to do ministry and to lift up Christ. And so let's get at it and let's do it. For those of you who are not familiar with Leonard Sweet, I want you to check out uh, the website, leonardsweet.com. Um, for those of you who are familiar with him, I know you already want the book, Rings of Fire, Walking in Faith Through a Volcanic Future. Um, let's turn to Chapter 22, um, Political Religion. You know, we are in the midst of uh, of an election season and cycle, um, and this is the way you start this chapter. Politics is the number one religion of U.S. America. Yeah, if I were to write a history of religion in the 21st century, Carmen, the first chapter would be devoted really to politics and to political religion and the religion of politics. We've We've either politicized our religious faith or made politics itself into a religious faith. And that is, for me, the very essence of idolatry. And so we have a—we begin with a problem here. I mean, 50 years ago, you would fight over, do I marry somebody of a different faith? Today, you would fight over, do I marry somebody of a different party? I mean, it's become that idolatrous. It's become that, um, uh, if you will, uh, religious. And— you know, I, I really, I, I think that we've got to, in many ways, kind of depoliticize the environment. You can't lift up Christ and hate anybody. And we have people, Christians, both on left and right, hating people of different political persuasions. I mean, and and do we really think that, that Jesus said, elect the right politicians and they will save you? I mean, only Jesus and prayer can change lives and can change communities and can change the world. Now, uh, we need outside-in changes, which is what politics does, but the ultimate change is inside-out, and that only Jesus can do. And so I just, I, I just think we need, to, we need to step back a little bit and, um, and understand uh, what we've done um, and that everybody loses out when polarizing politics wins. And our role is a healing role. It's a saving role. And politics is a polarizing role right now. And so part of our job, mission right now, is to heal the hurts of politics itself, not feed the disease, but heal the hurts. And so by all means, I mean, Jesus said, when the disciples said on, on April 15th, you know, what do we do about taxes? Do we, do we pay the IRS or don't we? And, and Jesus said, you know, you give to Caesar with Caesar's. You know, vote and take it seriously and love your country, but you give to God what's God's, and that's where you give your worship. That's where you get, invest your, your future. That's where you invest your hopes. One of the things you are uniquely adept at is making observations and then setting mental hooks upon which I can hang things when they happen. I can, uh, because you set a mental hook in my mind to expect to see something. When I see it, I can recognize it. That is a very unique contribution that you make to um, to church leadership today. Um, and you are kind of wonderfully weird. But where do you feel like you fit? I always worry that sort of the weirdos don't really have a place where they fit in community. Well, I, I for me, it's not fitting in, it's fitting together. And mm. I, I don't I don't think God calls us to fit in, I think, but I think God does call us all to to fit together. And so that's what we need to do, is each one of us has a unique gift and a unique, unique grace. And, a, and, a, and living out of the fruit, it's singular, of the Spirit, 
we have a a contribution to make to the wider body. And um, I mean, for me, I'll give one example here is is the the only thing you you started with uh, Rings of Fire, Johnny Cash. He also had another song called Supper Time. Do you remember that, Carmen? Yeah. Yeah. Supper Time. Um, the only place you can go today and take off your mask in public, the table. You have to wear your mask to get to the table, but once at the table with your table mates, you take off your mask. The table unmasks us all. Hmm. God's table unmasks all of us. And what COVID-19 is doing is help forcing us to go back to the table, to understand the, the power of the table. What replaces the temple in Judaism is the table. Jesus has a table ministry. It's time for us to bring back the table, to table it, not when you table it in terms of resolutions, but table it in terms of relationships, bring back the table. Um, this is the new, this is where children's church always should have been done, not outsourcing it to the, to a building and, a, and, a, and an organization, but right at the table. And so just one example of how, just just looking at this is called semiotics, by the way. But just looking at, okay, where where is it possible for us? To, wow, the only place you can take off your mask today is the table, and that's where we are being unmasked, and it's unmasking us, and and it's what a, so in the midst of even a crisis and a pandemic like the one we have, God is doing something and reminding us that we can all open up our eyes to see it of, of where our future lies. Lynn, you're always working on the next thing, so uh, go ahead and give us a foretaste of what's next. What are you working on? Well, I have a book coming out with uh, one of my doctoral students uh, called Contextual Intelligence, which is how do you read the context that you're in. You have an IQ, intelligence quotient. You have an EQ, emotional quotient. And I'm arguing that there's also a CQ, a contextual quotient, and we have to, the church needs especially, and Christians need to up there. Their, their contextual quotient. The, the, and then in also in November um, is coming out. Um, I've started a publishing company where I'm just going to start publishing my own uh, books. And then I, I'm working with a novelist who's one of the one of the top Christian novelists in the country. She's gotten all sorts of awards, the Christian novel of the year. Her name is Lisa Sampson. And so she's doing the novels. I'm doing the nonfiction. And we are telling the story of Jesus. It's a three-line thing. It's it's, uh, but it's telling the story of Jesus from the standpoint of the donkey. <laughs> You've had children's books that have done this, but we're gonna make, we're gonna help you fall in love with this donkey. And this donkey is the most one of the most interesting characters I think ever been invented. And we've been working hard on this. We've named the donkey Issy, short for Issachar. It's a female donkey, and uh, so the first volume. We, these are very short volumes. Um, because they're really just tell, retelling the story of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus like you've never heard it before. Saint is, because Issy calls herself is, I-S. So the book's called Saint Is, and it, it'll be a great Christmas book, because uh, it just tells the birth story of Jesus. And the donkey hears the conversation of that long trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem, as Mary is nine months pregnant, going with Joseph to to register for the the census and so um there's a lot of fun in this book and and, and I, love uh, that. I hope you'll enjoy it i love that all right we're going to be looking for contextual intelligence we're also going to be looking for saint is 
the three-volume uh, novel coming out at Christmas. Um, Lynn Sweet, thank you so much. We're going to invite people to visit the web, website, leonardsweet.com. Um, Lynn, thank you. Um, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just wonderful. We look forward to the next conversation. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.